NFL season is here, and with the new season, we've got a new home here at Props and Hops on the Hammer Betting Network. Also a new co-host, Pro Better the Hitman. Hitman, I'd say welcome back to Props and Hops, but it's not just welcome back as a guest. Welcome back in a new role as a weekly staple on the show. Yeah, I'm excited that we're going to do this. I think I was on like once every few months or something, and that was always a good time from the very beginning when you were doing it and you didn't have many followers, so I was impressed with how you run your show and I'm excited to be on it weekly now. Likewise, I've known this was coming and now that it's happening, I'm still not sure that it's not a dream for me, but I will take it and run with it. And before we get to some week one games with a lot of prop betting intrigue, want to lay out a game plan for what we're going to do here over the course of the season with week one approaching a bit of a change of pace from the off season shows. So as a programming note, the audience can look out for props and hops Fridays early to mid afternoon Eastern time, probably more late morning Pacific time. And Hitman, I think the overall concept, I mean, we're going to look to identify a value and hammer it where we see it. So we're not going to talk every game and we're also not going to do just picks on the show, but a mix of analysis as well as some best bets. How does that sound to you? Yeah, it sounds good. You know, I don't know what's going to be happening as the weeks go on with the availability of these props. Obviously, we're, we're recording on Friday and a lot of these props opened up really early in the week because it's week one. So we're going to play with the lines that we have. Obviously, some of these lines might move from the time we record until it gets out. But I'll try to always give a general buy price and just a general process on how to handicap these props yourself as well. Yeah, well, let's get right to it. Week one already underway with the Thursday night season opener, the Bills stomping the Rams. But we can talk about the Sunday slate and the first game, Tom, that has a lot of intrigue. Baltimore at the Jets. We've got some wide receiver departures for the Ravens. It seems like they might be taking a more run heavy approach this season. Where does that have you netting out as far as your point of view on props for the Ravens specifically entering 2022? I did bet Lamar Jackson unders on pass yards i think we're probably seeing 226 and a half ish is the current price on that and you look last year and yeah he was he had some pretty good passing numbers but what happened you had the running backs all injured jk dobbins gus edwards the offensive line the defense was a train wreck the ravens were the most injured team in the last 21 seasons according to pro football outsiders and their personnel moves and this offseason are really indicated that this is a team that's going to get back to the run heavy offense that they were in the past few years with Lamar Jackson. You know, they shored up the offensive line. They traded Hollywood Brown. I know Dobbins and Edwards won't be back for this game, but they added Kenyon Drake, Mike Davis, or just a little more depth than they had last year. And they revamped the defense also. So, you know, they were last in pass rate in 2019, 2020 at 45%. They were 57% in pass rate in 2021. So I think we're going to see them come back a, a little bit, or not just a little bit, a lot lower back to what that pass rate used to be. I think that the Lamar unders might have a little bit of value this week. And as I look at the point spread for this game, seeing the Ravens still painted as a seven-point favorite across the screen, even some sharper books skewing a bit towards seven and a half, 
I know predicting game script can be a really dangerous game when it comes to betting props, but if you anticipate the Ravens having a lead late in the game, does that have any impact on your confidence in this prop, thinking they might be even more run heavy if they're just trying to work the clock? Yeah, for sure. You know, I I will definitely consider the game script, but it's not, I'm not going to use it as the Bible because so many things can happen. And you can, if you're wrong on it, sometimes it could absolutely kill you. Like, I'll be honest, if the Ravens get down 14 to nothing in the first quarter, this play could be in some trouble. But Baltimore, as you said, seven point favorite. Historically, they've done really good in week one. John Harbaugh's 10 and four against the spread and straight up in week one. And before last year, when they lost that game against the Raiders, their last five opening days, they won by six, 20, 44, 49, and 32 points. So it's definitely, as much as we don't want to predict game script and use it as the Bible, it's setting up as a game that you could theoretically see Baltimore controlling in the second half and trying to just grind the clock out with their run-heavy offense. Sounds good. Well, let's move on to a couple of the Ravens AFC North rivals, the Steelers heading to Cincinnati to take on the defending AFC champion Bengals. And I'd like to talk about Najee Harris a bit with you. We know he's going to be the Steelers featured back and the under on his rushing yardage prop was hammered recently. A friend of the show, Adam Chernoff, released that via his huge Telegram channel. Saw that drop from 62 and a half down to a current price of 58 and a half as we record this. One thing I'm curious about, if we can assume that perhaps a lot of the value has been sucked out of the equation on Harris rush yards under, when it comes to rushing plus receiving yardage props, I know that this year with the Steelers, they've got a much more mobile quarterback in Trubisky relative to Ben Roethlisberger on his last legs last season. And on one hand, I was on VEASAN on Monday night with Ben Brown of PFF, and he brought up the point that a mobile quarterback can actually be pretty good for a running back's rush efficiency because the defense has to stay honest, not knowing if Trubisky might be keeping the ball and running himself. So a little bit of hesitation could lead to more efficiency for Harris on the ground. And at the same time, from a receiving yardage output, this could be possibly detrimental to a lot of the checkdowns that Harris got last season in the passing game. Trubisky probably more likely to extend some plays and take more shots down the field. So all in, when you consider the quarterback Harris is playing with this season, what impact does that have when you look at his overall yardage from scrimmage, thinking along the lines of rushing plus receiving yardage props? It's crazy, Matt, because we didn't talk much about this in pre-production, but you just always have a way of asking good questions and reading my mind on Najee Harris. And what you read my mind on is the receiving usage. So last year, Harris had 60 targets at or behind the line of scrimmage which is 21 more than the next closest running back. And that happened because Ben Roethlisberger just couldn't stretch the field with his arm. And he was getting a ton of completions on low, low A dot routes. So obviously you have that mobile quarterback, Mitch Trubisky in that right now, he's not going to be a guy that's really going to be taking the checkdowns like uh, Ben Roethlisberger was. I think what you could see, and I, I lean towards that Harris under rushing because I think he'll be inefficient. But what I think you could see is maybe a little more usage, a little more running the ball than when from when Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback, but less of the receiving work. So Najee Harris right now, three and a half catches. There was a release on his over. It was pretty juiced. The under was pretty juiced at like minus 145. There was a service release on his over. 
which pushed it to like, I think minus 115 area, three and a half catches right now. It's not something I've bet. I'm kind of going to see where the market goes on this. Maybe that service release does push it up a little bit and we see a four pop up where maybe I would get a little bit interested. But I think that Najee Harris in the receiving game, that would be where I think he's going to take a step back in comparison to his production from last season. All right. Well, if we're seeing eye to eye, then that will give me some confidence as we head into week one. So some good food for thought on a couple of AFC games right off the bat. Let's hop over to the NFC and talk about the 49ers Bears matchup. I know that Trey Lance is quite the wild card heading into the season. Also looking like George Kittle not going to be a go on Sunday. When it comes to other weapons in the Niners offense, like Brandon Ayuk, who's gotten a lot of hype this offseason, it seems quite warranted, perhaps. Also Debo Samuel, a, a real you know dual threat out of the backfield in the passing game. What do you make of Kittle's absence and the unknowns with Trey Lance as it pertains to what we might see for guys like Ayuk and Samuel as wide receivers for San Francisco? I think that if you look at the current market on it, where I'm seeing Samuel 58 and a half, I think that's just, it's been, it, it opened 48 and a half around that, which I thought that it was low when Kittle was projected to play. I kind of thought it was low, but you know, some sharp guys got on that when the Kittle news broke. And then there was another release on uh, Samuel, I think at like 54 and a half, which drove that up. So I think that the Samuel line has been, has been bet into it's, it's really important when you're going to, a lot of like just general public betters will be like, Oh, well, Kittle's out. So I'm going to look to bet this guy over and it's well, yeah, well, is the line adjusted for George Kittle being out? You always got to be able to, to analyze if it is. And I, I think it's close to adjusted right now. I, I still think Ayuk though might have some value. I think that, Kittle, because it was going to be a low volume passing attack with Lance, you probably aren't expecting a ton of pass attempts with them. It was going to be tough for three guys to share that usage between Ayuk, Kittle, and Samuel. But I'm very confident. I'm pretty confident Kittle's not going to play in this game. And if Kittle doesn't play in this game, I'm seeing Brandon Ayuk right now over 49 and a half receiving yards at plus money. And a lot of the reason that that line is at that point is because there was a big service release on Ayuk at under 51 and a half before that Kittle news became widely available. So I think if you, you maybe follow the injury report today and if you see that Kittle, Kittle's not going to play, which I don't believe he will, I think that I, you, you could do worse than betting Brandon Ayuk over 49 and a half receiving yards, especially if you're going to get plus money on it. Quick question when it comes to anticipating the market and all this with Kittle, you said pretty confident he's going to be out. And last year, there were a lot of cases where we were pretty confident, if not highly confident that somebody would be out. And yet once that news became official, there was a knee jerk market reaction as if that was a brand new update. So with a guy like Kittle, if it's safe to assume he's going to be out right now, what kind of market reaction do you expect to see on props for Ayuk and Samuel if and when that Kittle news is made official? It'll go up probably a few yards and it's kind of like it, it happens all the time. You see it in major markets too. Something will be 95% assumed and then the market will still tick up once that 5% of uncertainty is removed from the equation. Think of like Zach Wilson against the Ravens. Everybody knew he wasn't playing 
against Baltimore. But still, when the, the Wilson news breaks that he's officially out, you still might see just a few cents of an uptick on Baltimore for that game. So it's the same thing with props. I think that if you can get ahead of the news when you're very, very, very certain about something, 95% probability or something, that that's just the way to go. When it comes to trying to get ahead of the market with props, there's one thing I'll throw your way. And the next game we can discuss Kansas city traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. And before I get into a prop, I'm eyeing on the Arizona side of things. I think a big storyline in this game, what's the chiefs offense going to look like without Tyreek Hill from a prop betting standpoint, any read on how things might get spread out across the chiefs, new weapons on offense. Spread out was the right word. It, it, it's tough to handicap. I think that now and Patrick Mahomes has talked about it the whole off season about how diverse they are, how they're going to spread the ball around. It's tough to really handicap who's going to get the usage. It could be Scantling. It could be Juju Smith-Schuster. It could be Hardman. Uh, the running backs, McKinnon's going to get time. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to get time. Just a lot of weapons. Sky Moore, the second-round pick. Although I don't think he'll do much this week. You could see him factoring in later in the season. So uh, I think it's one of those things that I'm just going to maybe with, with uncertainty in that type of situation, I'll usually buy low on the guys that are, are low and I'll sell high on the guys that have a high number. Like McCole Hardman is four and a half catches minus 170 ish right now. That's a little bit high for me. So maybe. I'll buy, I'll sell a little bit high on him, but maybe I'll buy low on like a Jurek McKinnon once his lines come out, something like that. So uh, that's the way I think, I think you just wait and see on Kansas city. But one thing I know is they're going to still have a great offense. Mahomes 340 yards per game. The chiefs average 30 points a game. And that's in eight games without Hill during his career. It's not going to affect him. Would I rather him have Hill? Obviously, but the Chiefs offense is still going to be great and there's going to be a lot of production. When it comes to the other offense in this game, one prop I want to run by you. I'm looking at Kyler Murray rushing yards over 32 and a half at a flat minus 115. And a few reasons for this. First off, when I look at his career average, I'm seeing over 38 yards per game. And now that average is the mean. I think for the math geeks out there, the median is probably a better representation of the average output for Kyler Murray from a prop betting standpoint. And that median number, probably a bit lower than the mean in the range of 38, but I still think we have a nice cushion looking at the line for this game being 32 and a half. In addition to that, you know, early in the season, that's when we see Kyler Murray at full strength. Given his stature and style of play, he tends to wear down over the course of a season. Also, Cliff Kingsbury as his coach, the league seems to figure him out as the season progresses. Arizona's offense seems to be at its most dynamic early on. Now, I know that one fly in the ointment, some people might argue, would be DeAndre Hopkins is suspended. That's a big weapon missing from the passing game. And I would counter to that, that without Hopkins, also now with Zach Ertz being a big question mark, is Murray's security blanket with a lot of question marks along the offensive line for Arizona. A lot of plays designed to be passes might break down and force Murray to scramble against a Chiefs defense that really isn't all that imposing. All that considered, Hitman, what are your thoughts on a look at Murray rushing yards over 32 and a half? I think you made a good case for it. Um, we start at the, pe the past two seasons, Murray's rush yards have went down at the end of the season. Well, why did that happen? Because he was injured. 
and he's a player that has just not played effectively passing or running when he has been injured. So now obviously he's the most healthy that he's going to be the entire season. It's a game that money is just pouring on the chiefs right now. And it's up to, I believe they're a six point favorite right now. And what does that mean? It probably means that again, we don't want to predict game script, but if they're down in that second half and he's getting a lot of dropbacks without Zach Ertz, potentially without DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, a question mark often two offensive linemen, a question mark. It all sets up for Kyler Murray rushing. I would completely endorse that handicap by you. Beautiful. All right. Well, I will be sure to lock that in sooner rather than later. And one more prop bet I want to throw out for this game. Not widely available yet, but it is out there at some books. And I think I know about the price point at which it will become widely available. We can look at the shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. And I like this up to a price point of minus 150. That's where I anticipate some of the regulated U.S. books that offer the prop settling out. Offshore, I'm seeing it right now as good as minus 125. So there is some value to be found for the shopper. I expect multiple offshores to be in the minus 135 range by this weekend. Again, regulated books consider this good up to minus 150. And we saw this shortest touchdown prop close at a similar price in last night's season opener. The Bills-Rams total was in the same ballpark as this Chiefs-Cardinals total. Ultimately, it's pretty simplistic on my end. This is the highest total on the week one board. More points bodes well for the prospects of more touchdowns. And more touchdowns bodes well for the prospects of at least one one-yard touchdown. So just finding price you know, inefficiencies has led me to find a lot of value on this prop over the past couple of years as the scoring environment has increased across the league. Any thoughts, Hitman, on this one, the odds of a one-yard touchdown Sunday in Arizona? I think you're right. I, I don't have the math on it. And obviously it's tough to, it's just a math play. It's tough to predict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are they going to score? Is there going to be pass interference in the end zone and they score one yard touchdown and everything. It's just a math play. And it, if I don't, like I just said, I don't have the exact math, but I would be pretty confident that the math would back you up on that. Yeah. One thing I noticed beyond the math in 2020, the chiefs were my kryptonite for this kind of bet because they would often be in games with high totals because they have such a good offense and they didn't have the best defense, but in 2020, they didn't have the best offensive line. We saw CEH in his rookie season, not accomplishing much as a goal line back. So for all its firepower, Kansas city was not good for this prop that started to change last year. The Chiefs got a much better O-line. I think they got a lot more creative in short yardage situations, especially near the goal line. So that, you know, kind of offsets some of the subjective elements. And, and with the math, I am definitely in play on this one. And up to minus 150 can endorse it for anybody else shopping for that prop as well. Hitman, I'd like to get into the next game on our rundown. Packers-Vikings, an intriguing NFC North matchup. And first off, the Packers are going to be without Devontae Adams. And in one sense, he was a different kind of purple people leader. We often thought of the purple people leaders as, you know, those players in purple uniforms dominating other opponents. Adams was the guy for Green Bay who would dominate the Vikings every time seemingly the Packers faced them. Without him, with some question marks in terms of what else is going to be at Rodgers' disposal at wide receiver, any thoughts on prop betting possibilities for the Packers' offense? Um, you know, Aaron Jones is, I was all ready to play Aaron Jones over receiving numbers this week. I was so excited. I spent like three months thinking about how much I was going to have on it. And 
I'm looking now at DraftKings and some of the other shops. We're seeing Aaron Jones receptions at four and a half minus 165 to the over and his receiving yards are 36 and a half. And I think that's an important lesson that you could have a great handicap on something. And yes, without Devontae Adams, he's going to get a lot more work. They're going to play more two running back uh, sets. He's going to maybe play a little bit of slot receiver and all that. All that makes total sense. But I just think that the odds came out pretty sharp on, on Aaron Jones. I mean, his receptions number, I, I laid earlier in the week over four and a half catches minus – 140 on Christian McCaffrey, who is the best pass catching running back, maybe by the end of his career, the best one ever. And Aaron Jones right now, I'm, I'd be laying a bigger price on Aaron Jones if I bet that at the moment. So I think that it's a good lesson that you could have a strong handicap, but sometimes if the market's reflecting it, you just got to pass. So that's how I do feel about Jones. AJ Dillon though, maybe keep an eye out on his prop numbers if they're going to play a lot of two back sets, more than capable pass catcher that a lot of people don't recognize that because he's a big back. They think he's more of like a Derrick Henry, but he could catch the ball. And if they're going to be playing them both at the same time, you could find some value on AJ Dillon prop numbers. When it comes to the other offense in this game, the Vikings, a new coach this year, an offensive minded coach, that seems to be a refreshing change of pace for a lot of Minnesota fans. What are you expecting out of the Vikings offense week one under Kevin O'Connell? Passing, 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 a little bit more passing, at least compared to last season. Um, I think that other than last night where I had some pretty, pretty big acres and Henderson positions, Kirk Cousins stats have been my biggest position. And I hate to pass post, but these numbers just opened up way too low. His pass yards opened 248 and a half. It's been bet up to 270, I think, right now. His attempts, I released that to my clients at, I think, 34 and a half. I think that's up to like 36 and a half now. Completions, that's been bet up. I've pounded all of them. Um, passing touchdowns, though, I gave this out on another show. If you could find it, I'd say it's good up to the minus 160-ish range on Kirk Cousins over one and a half passing touchdowns. I'm just looking right now. I'm seeing, seeing 150 at DraftKings, which I th still think is a bet. He's 75% to this over in the last two seasons, 24 and eight. And that was with a run first coach. Now you have Kevin O'Connell. No team in the NFL threw more inside the 10 yard line than Kevin O'Connell's Rams did last year. So Vikings are going to be throwing a lot more. They're going to be throwing in the red zone. Packers do have a good defense, but this is a high total game or relatively high total game. I think that Cousins over one and a half pass touchdown minus 150 is worth a bet. One more thing I think is worth a bet here as we still do have the Vikings available at yeah plus one and a half across most of the market. Really like the Vikings, as many do, as a teaser candidate this week, crossing up through those key numbers of three and seven. I know you mentioned the total relatively high in this one, but it has been bet down, so that bodes well for the prospects of a little bit less variance, perhaps. Less variance, always good when teasing an underdog up through a touchdown to extract the most relative value from those six points we get in the teaser. 
And I won't be surprised if the Vikings win this one outright. So getting the cushion with more than a touchdown has the Vikings in pocket for me as a teaser leg for week one. Moving yeah, on to, oh, go that's ahead. My favorite, that's my probably my favorite teaser leg on the board also. And I'll say that it's tough to find another teaser leg that has anywhere near that much appeal right now. But looking at Sunday Night Football, I think that's where I will close out the teaser. The Bucks at the Cowboys, Tampa Bay currently laying two and a half and taking the Cowboys up to plus eight and a half to pair with Minnesota. Similar handicap crossing through three and seven. A relatively high total, but that one has also come down a bit. So keeping fingers crossed for a low variance game on Sunday night in Dallas. And again, like the Vikings, not going to be a big surprise if the Cowboys win outright. I just think that cushion of a seven point loss still cashing a teaser leg makes this a bet worth making up to a price point of minus 120. So I know we're lined on the Vikings as a teaser leg. Gets a little shakier with the Cowboys, but needing a second partner to make this whole thing work. What are your thoughts on Dallas up to plus eight and a half against Tampa Bay? I'm really not going to veto any advantage teaser, but personally, I kind of like Jacksonville to pair with Minnesota. Um, I, I should have been on the Jacksonville plus fours and plus three and a halfs in the offseason. It's a miss by me. I don't think it really has much value at two and a half, but in a game that could is going to have a little bit of a lower total than that Dallas um, Tampa game. Personally, Jacksonville would be the one I would look at, but like I said, I'm not going to veto you. And in the spirit of full transparency, one of the reasons that I didn't go the Jags way is that I do have a lot of exposure on them at plus four on the money line. So I, I can't argue against that, but if you've got so much exposure already, there is still a chance, even with this being a relatively low total when Jacksonville takes on Washington, seeing that one at 44, Carson Wentz is just maybe the ultimate high variance quarterback. And then we don't quite know what we're going to see from Trevor Lawrence in year two under a new head coach. I think there's a lot of justified optimism, but even though that one has a lower total, I wonder if the variance might be, you know, a little bit higher than a lot of other games lined in the mid forties. Yeah, for sure. Agree with everything you said. All right, well, let's move on to the finale on the week one card. Monday Night Football, Denver at Seattle. And really, I want to ask you in this one about all the narratives swirling around Russell Wilson in a new, probably more offensive-minded, you know, a, a new offense with an offensive-minded coach thinking, okay, they'll let Russ cook. There's the revenge angle. At the same time, there's some familiarity in Seattle, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks defense, knowing Russell Wilson about as well as anybody could. So what do you make of the, you know, the revenge angle, the new style of offense that Russ will be in that might have his arrow pointing up versus at least in week one, a little bit of a detriment to his upside when it comes to the familiarity that the Seahawks and that defense is going to have with his skill set. Only game I haven't made a bet on yet. Anything props side total. Anything. I mean, obviously, on a for a primetime game, I'm going to end up having probably a lot of bets on this by the time Monday night comes around. But haven't made a bet yet. Uh, I think that Denver could very well start slow. It's a new offense. They had no time in the preseason. At Seattle, home crowd, probably going to be crazy for that first half at least. And um, Seattle, they did play guys in the preseason and they're a team that they're going to play. They're going to run the ball, play defense. It kind of maybe sets them up for a first half. So I think that I could potentially see myself getting involved with Seattle plus three and a half for the first half 
that, that's something I have not bet yet, but I could potentially see myself being interested in that. Good look ahead to some potential action for the week one finale. And Hitman, as we start to round the corner here, if we want to recap our week one portfolios for the purposes of this show, any official plays you'd like to lock in, starting with, it sounds like, a Lamar Jackson passing yardage prop? Yeah, we'll use the DraftKings line just to make it simple. You could shop these around. You might find a little bit worse, a little bit better. All of them have a, a little bit of room for uh, a little bit of wiggle room on them. But we could go Lamar Jackson under 227 and a half pass yards minus 115. I think that Kirk Cousins over one and a half passing touchdowns minus 150 is worth a look. And then I think that A.J. Dillon, we spoke about Aaron Jones's lines being a little bit inflated. A.J. Dillon over 14 and a half receiving yards, minus 115. We could lock in. Got it. And just for the record, I think you noted that while the Kirk Cousins touchdown prop over one and a half passing touchdowns currently available at minus 150, you're good with that up to a price point of minus 160. With the other two props, is there a ceiling for the Lamar Jackson passing yardage prop at which you would no longer play it? Similarly, how high could this market go on A.J. Dillon receiving yards before you'd say that's the cutoff point? Dillon's a little bit thin. It opened at 12 and a half, I believe. It's up to 14 and a half. I'd probably say 16 and a half is as high as I, as I would go on Dillon. And with Lamar, a little bit more room. Let's say 222 and a half. All right, duly noted there, and I will also lock in my official plays for our week one card here on Props and Hops. Kyler Murray, over 32 and a half rushing yards at minus 115, and I make that good up to, let's say, 35 and a half, splitting the difference between his game averages over the course of his career being a little north of 38 with where this line is currently available. Again, 32 and a half, playing that to the over at minus 115. Also, putting in a teaser Vikings plus seven and a half against the Packers paired with the Packers plus eight and a half hosting Tampa Bay laying up to minus 120 on that. And I think you made a good point hit man. The Jags at plus two and a half in a game with a low total offer a lot of teaser potential as well. So can't fault that notion. Um, but I myself have already bet and still endorse the Vikings Cowboys teaser. So that will be my favorite teaser on the week one card as we record this show. And then an unofficial play right now due to limited availability, but keep an eye out for that chiefs Cardinals game shortest touchdown under one and a half. I like that up to minus minus one fifty. And again, for a shopper right now offshore, you can get it as good as minus minus one twenty-five. And I'll note that for the show this season with Props and Hops being part of the Hammer Betting Network. We will be tracking our picks for this show through Betstamp, the Hammer's sister company. And you can find the Props and Hops profile on Betstamp at Props and Hops. Um, spell it out, no ampersands like we stylize it for the show logo, but at Props and Hops on Betstamp is where you can find our records for full transparency. And for simplicity, we will go with a $100 unit size for all bets. I do want to note that the reality for anybody who cares about you know being price sensitive and unit sizing and all that uh, a lot of the sharpest betters i know in hitman correct me if i'm off base with any of this but i do advise different unit sizes for different bet types for example you're probably not going to bet the same amount on a side as you do for a total or maybe some teasers you'd bet more than certain props or vice versa ultimately it seems to come down to your perceived edge and your ability to get down does that check out in your book 
Exactly. I don't have a strict unit size. Honestly, with with anything, it, it, well, especially props, it really just comes down to what am I what am I able to get down? Because it's usually, almost always, it's not the amount that I ideally want. I would always want more on props. So it's yeah, that that's that was a good way of putting it. Sounds good. And for props where it can be tough to get down enough, I will say in other markets where liquidity isn't as much of a concern, I'd also encourage people to scale their bet sizing based on confidence, but perhaps not having too wide of a band when it comes to that scale. The late, great David Malinsky would frame it for me as a four, five, six scale on his end, where let's say for simplicity's sake, if somebody has a $50 unit size, $50 would be the standard bet. If anything is worth betting at all, then it's probably worth at least eight tenths of a unit or $40. That would be the four on the low end of the scale. And at the same time, there can be so much variance in all of this that few bets would be worth, you know, more than 1.2 units or that six on the four or five, six scale. Let's call it a $60 bet if you've got a $50 average. So feel free to bet different amounts based on your confidence, but it's not necessarily advisable to, you know, double or triple certain bets just based on confidence because the edges are rarely that far apart with different lines that we would consider bettable. So a little bit of food for thought there and just want to let everybody know, once again, we are doing this on Fridays late in the week. The often, oftentimes the market can be quite efficient. So CLV and ROI tracked very well on Betstamp, understanding that bets we lock in on Friday might not be quite as strong as what they would be Monday and Tuesday um, or when the prop market starts to mature the middle of the week these days. This isn't always the best time to be placing bets, so proceed with caution. But that said, I think there is still some meat on the bone. Hopefully, we've provided some betting value for everybody, as well as a good bit of entertainment value heading into week one in the NFL. Hitman, we can go ahead and wrap this up. I want everybody to know they can follow you on Twitter at Hitman428 and elsewhere on the Hammer Betting Network for your thoughts on more sides and totals. Check out Edge Rush, the full card preview podcast with NFL handicapper Cleve TA, also hosted by Chris Abbott. That's going to be coming out on Thursdays throughout the season. And you can follow me on Twitter at MLandis18. Also follow a new addition to the Props and Hops family this season, also across the Hammer Betting Network, a show between the lines where I take a deep dive on NFL line movement every Wednesday of this season with pro better Fabian Summer, a.k.a. Suma. He's a fellow craft beer fan as well. So on that show, we will look to occasionally bring the hops to the forefront where we can with the show also being part of the Props and Hops family. Last but not least, you can follow The Hammer on Twitter at The Hammer HQ. Also check out our site for everything we've got going on at thehammer.bet. Want to thank everybody for tuning in. Hitman, thank you. This is going to be a blast all season long. And to everybody watching and listening, best of luck with your week one bets. Props and hops and props and hops.